Welcome to this bonus episode of Pulp Kitchen. This week, we released episode 104. If you haven't already listened to that, go and listen to it. We reviewed May, December and Saltburn. Mm -hmm. But today, on this bonus episode, we're going to be talking about... Well, James, James, what have you seen? I've seen Peter Jackson's Bad Taste. Right. A film from 1987. I see. I've also watched Bottoms. Yes. George, you reviewed it a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, you can go check out George's review. He, you didn't quite get on with it. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it when, yeah. when we get to that. And then also you and I have both watched mm-hmm. part one of season six of The Crown, the first four episodes of the final season of The Crown. They've separated it into two. Uh, and we'll be talking about that in spoiler depth. Are we going to talk about it in, in plot details? I think so. I think we can. It, I don't it, think there's actually... It's very little to spoil, but if, spoil. You, if you're de- desperate to if not If you have, don't know what happens, <laughs> blimey, yeah. you're in for a ride. <laughs> If you are desperate to not see how the crown tackles that yes. issue, then maybe wait. But uh, yeah, we'll be talking about spoilers for the crown and we'll probably pick up on part two as and when that happens. But George, in the meantime, hmm. Peter Jackson's Bad Taste. Yes. So a good friend of mine who you met called Amy. Yes. Uh, who works in horror. Yes. Uh, really great, lovely girl. She uh, decided she wanted to start doing like this sort of horror movie night. She's a really sick, twisted taste in films. I mm. went to a Halloween party at hers and she had projected on a huge white wall montages of some of the most like disgusting, mm. horrifying scenes in cinema of like limbs and yeah. nudity and bone snapping. And it was kind of like vibey, but also deeply horrifying. And I found myself at one point probably just sitting next to the projector watching that horror but anyway she was like okay i want to do a horror night on a sunday night we're going to screen something on the lighter end of horror which is not even technically horror but it's gory and that was peter jackson's bad taste yes. i'm a huge peter jackson fan obviously as everyone knows from the lord of the rings trilogy and i knew he had this um this sort of dna thread of being this like a uh, gulpy gulchy uh, literally bad taste type of, of horror. And I knew of the film and people had said, you know, it's, it's, it's very lo-fi, but if you go back and watch it, you can really weirdly see the DNA of how Peter Jackson likes to shoot things. Mm-hmm. And you can totally see that echoed in Lord of the Rings. And Bad Taste is uh, a total backyard camcorder, lo-fi, literal backyard we shot in the space we were with the stuff we had with the people that were around and uh, basically a bunch of uh, scientists and sort of like nondescript agent men stumble upon a town that's been emptied and they realize that uh, the New Zealanders are being harvested for an intergalactic restaurant Mm. by some aliens who seemingly appear to look like human beings but actually are not of course I saw, I mean, look, you, you can, I've seen clips in the film and I knew the kind of vibe that it was. I've seen the poster. Is it, you guys, are we going to show me with the middle finger? There's, there's that. There's, there's all sorts of like imagery of like eating brains and. Were you going to show me something? No, I wasn't. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like taping skulls back together yeah. and eating vomit soup. And I sort of knew that DNA. I'd seen it in like some of the Lord of the Rings documentaries. And, uh, you know, I think I saw it in the perfect environment, which is with a few beers, with a group of friends. Yeah. On a, su- on a Sunday night with some pizza, laughing along and sort of enjoying it. And uh, it stars Peter Jackson and Peter Jackson and clearly some of his friends. Nice. And in the credits, it was like, thank you to these people and mum and dad for supporting oh. me. I think honestly, if you had showed me that and you said it was someone who wasn't Peter Jackson, mm. I would never have thought, oh, clearly this is the beginnings mm. of a great studio going to make one of the masterpieces of our time. No, what, what you do see is that it's a really wonderful, cute grungy squelchy gore comedy yeah. that has like loads of heart it's it's incre- incredibly lo-fi camcorder 
no tripods, mm. but like really fun, re really edited in a really fun way from someone who clearly loves what they're making. Um, some really awful imagery, like that, that, and actually horror-wise, some really creepy bits of horror when they do go into the house and they realize the aliens' plan. Loads of really fun action, yeah. very eighties VHS. Nice. Like some guy in the corner watching something. What is that? Oh, it's called Bad Taste. And totally, you can see the way Peter Jackson likes to shoot decapitation, blood spouting. Yeah. You can just see that in the Lord of the Rings, mm. but if you gave him a hundred million dollars yeah. and the best crew in the world, you can see where like that idea yeah. takes itself. Um, loads of really funny moments, and the charm is that you can tell someone has got a spoon filled with ketchup off camera, oh, and nice. they are just are just flicking it. So, am I like blown away by the film? Not necessarily, sure. but in getting to watch it in 2023 yeah. with the hindsight is a really uh, heartwarming and endearing and just quite a fun experience. I would say if you if you're gonna watch it, do as I did, yeah, with friends and a beer. It sounds really yeah. great. It sounds a bit like when I watched Evil Dead 2 with my friends. Right, yeah. And same scary, yeah. sort of thing, like horror comedy, squelchy, yes. made for about £2.50. Yeah. But yeah. even even though it's like so low budget, the, the horror brainy bits when they come, yeah, they, work. they look really disgusting. Because they're, they're real, like, they're tactile. Yeah. yeah, it's very very much like Play-Doh, like mashed potato with ketchup running through it. <laughs> Just good fun. Really, good. really good fun. So yeah, it's, it's if you're a big Peter Jackson fan... Go, go and seek it out and have a good laugh with it. It's very, very good fun. Oh, and sorry, there's one thing where like, I have a really good idea of what Peter Jackson looks like, but obviously from the 1980s. There's one character that opens and I'm like, that's Peter Jackson, because he, and he's shaved. And then there's another moment where Peter Jackson's in it and he's got a beard. I'm like, oh, that's Peter Jackson. Is that like his brother? Is his brother in it? And then I realized, he just would have shot half the film for this character with a shaved uh, face, yeah. and the second half, oh, it would be the other way around with a with a beard. Yeah. And it said in the end, Peter Jackson as Peter Jackson. Uh, as. I was yeah. like, oh, nice. Like, I really actually, despite knowing what Peter Jackson looks like, can tell that one of them uh, was actually Peter Jackson as well. But yeah. Okay, fun. bad taste. If you've seen bad taste, let us know. Hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. I quite like us going back to see a filmmaker's first work. Totally, yeah. Tracing it back to the source. Yeah. I've not seen Following. Have you seen that? Nolan's first No, film. no, but it's like we the one where that. it's like, yeah, but have you seen Following? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. should do just and trace back the, yeah. the debut films. Of That's his them. black and white one. I've heard him talk yeah. about that, how he shot it in black and white because they couldn't afford lighting and therefore couldn't match white balances on a camera. And wow. if you don't have any color, you don't have to match white balances. So you just shoot black and white, which Brilliant. is a really great decision, but it's very artistic. Um, bottoms. Next up, George. Bottoms. Please go and check out George's review from a few weeks ago. We did it in episode 100, it was a bonus for episode 100 because yep. it was the same week we did Anatomy of a Fall, but we didn't put it in the main episode. For someone who doesn't know or hasn't seen it, George, very quickly. Uh, comedy, high school American teen comedy, raunchy, raucous, zany comedy about um, two friends who set up a fight club at school with uh, as a self-defense class, but really for the purposes of trying to sleep with cheerleaders they fancy. Mm -hmm. um, I saw it. I was really excited to see it. I was a bit disappointed. I just, just really didn't find it funny. I, I could see the jokes there. I just didn't find any of the jokes particularly smart or interesting. I just kind of sat there a, a little bit cold, frankly. But other people I know have loved it, James. So, uh, yes, yeah, so you've got this 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 film called Bottoms, which but, very much of the... Sorry. And was I right? They say Bottoms because they're the bottom of the school, they yes, say. Not, it's not a sex not, thing. Like, not a sex thing, which I really I really thought that was when, when you brought it up. Um, yeah, like, you know, it's, it's uh, co-written by Rachel Sennett, who also stars so kind of like how... Uh, uh, Seth Rogen film is of the character. Yeah. You can see the sort of DNA running through it. 
my main take I had your review in my head when oh, I was watching okay. it which is kind of hard because Sorry. I just it was no no not at all it was like distinctive and I knew I had I'd seen on social media some people really loving it yes. and it has a really high sort of uh, a lot of people are holding it very high regard online so I was like where am I going to sit with it and when I when I started with it you know, I watched it with Talia and there are moments where like, oh, we did really laugh and it's a little bit weird and some of the yeah. dialogue is really out there. And there's other moments where I really didn't laugh and that moment really fell flat. Yes. But the main overriding thought I had watching it as this film being set in a high school coming out in 2023 is that it must be so hard to write an American teen high school comedy yeah. without making it as as arch and as satirical as, yeah. as Bottoms is. Because I'm realizing like the American high school is kind of like a cast, it's like an old cast member mm. that you're dragging back. It's like getting Morgan Freeman to do the wise guy yeah. who gives the moral of the story now. It's just like, you can't really do it without doing Bottoms. I'm not saying that's true, but I wonder if the filmmakers are like, we can't just simply do this without massively emphasizing all the elements that make a high yeah. school and, and subverting it with this completely out of yeah. off the wall idea of doing a fight club to try and sleep with or try and kiss yeah. the other girls in school so certain moments really had me laughing more so in the beginning then there are a lot of bits me and talia both were just like yep thank you. straight over and it's not because i didn't understand it you I saw just, the joke you i saw, saw the joke i got it i get what it's trying to do there is definitely a um i know these weren't made you know made at the same time these were made at the same time but i can see like the dna of barbie but the style sure. of barbie yeah. in there um and just parts of it really really didn't get to me i think it was very beautifully shot i thought the actors were all having a, a good laugh with it i do see the slightly sort of like improv style of mm. of comedy within there I, I actually liked a lot of the visual gags some of the posters up on the walls uh, yeah. some of the things that they'd done there and i think it's okay yeah. i think it's a fun twist that i'm neither like this is reinventing refreshing yeah. the high school comedy drama save this is what they're going to be now but i'm also not like yeah I also not like this is awful. I think I think yeah, you're somewhere between me and the rest of the reviews. And Maybe, way, yeah. I, you know, you saw it with someone as well. I saw it on yeah. my own. Yes, and, yeah. and I don't know. Yeah, I was a bit bemused, frankly. And I, 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 I'm glad you see the thing. It's like you can see the jokes there. It's not like you don't see the jokes. You can yeah, see the jokes. They come it. and they just fall flat. Yeah, and you're like oh yeah, like that joke's a joke. It's not that smart. And I, I, I now I finished it. I think back to certain scenes at the beginning where I'm like, what. What, excuse me, what really was that? And what's that scene there for? And is yeah. that now superfluous? Now we know the ending. It has that, uh, a really heavy inclusion of a low point, you know, in films really have to double down. Yeah. Or like, what? You said this and it's yeah, all falling yeah. apart. How could you do this? What, me? You're the one that it did this. And we have to separate so that we can all come back together at the end. Yeah. Which I know is structural of a lot of those types of films, but I did really feel like you're just doing the thing. And they kept going on about that other school, which I was like, what other school? Yeah. What other school? And, yeah. um, when the you know when the characters like yeah I've got a bomb and I was like that's a, that's a joke right then and they obviously like have a bomb and I'm like oh but I was I thought we we're doing like real drama about like yeah, like really yeah. loving some but you're you've got you've got a bomb yeah <laughs> like, what like there's something like uh, the presence of teachers is very uh, selective mm. so you, I think you made a comment of like there's this whole scene where you're like where are the teachers but there clearly are teachers there but I think it's almost I, I sort of looked at it as going oh maybe it's quite clever and that a lot of the scenes that are happening are like what a high school student's worst anxiety would be like for a day of school. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like the worst nightmare of like, oh my God, imagine if that happened. Yeah. That's where Bottoms lives in. If I this see. actually yeah, gets happened. That's fair. The principal says that over the megaphone. The person humiliates you in front of them. Like all the, the football players are always wearing their studs and yeah. their pads. They're like, 
they don't really have an identity outside of that. Yeah. Like there's, some, there's something there that I think is quite smart. Yeah, I, I, I see your point, actually. That's, I needed someone to say that to me, yeah. You're but, <laughs> I'm glad it was you. Okay, yeah. so you thought it was okay. It, it was okay. Enjoy it. I know a couple of moments where, like, me and Talia both, like, heads back, oh, that's funny. But equally, what was, your fun, what was the funniest joke in it? Um, like some of the like the visual gags with the uh, the, the the things written on the walls. Okay. I can't remember specifically now. And like one of the bomb things, I thought was funny. Okay. Um, yeah, I can't remember now. Okay, but like we we got we got there. Okay, guys, as always, if you yes. uh, sorry, if you uh, had thoughts on bottoms and you still uh, wanted to write in, please send in your thoughts to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. And now we're going to talk about The Crown. Yes. Now, The Crown is a show that we've spoken about in bits and pieces throughout the year. We did a, a bit of a discussion last year because we went to the season five premiere, which was a big affair. Huge. Because, you know, The Crown takes a year break between each sort of reset yeah. of the series. Um, as most of you will know, but maybe you don't, The Crown, created by Peter Morgan, in its sixth and final series now, every two seasons they have rebooted and re- re- recast. Claire Foy and Matt Smith started off with the sort of 50s and 60s, Olivia Coleman doing the 70s and 80s, and now you have... Uh, Imelda Storm. thank you. And Jonathan Price leading uh, many talented cast through the 90s and what the next part of season six will be, which will be the noughties. And um, I think our relationship... Correct me if I'm wrong, James, but like, yeah. I think our relationship with The Crown has kind of changed. You and I hold the first two seasons in particular in very high regard. I remember you and I talking about it years before we started this podcast yeah. and catching up and being like, oh, like, pleasantly surprised by Really it. surprised. I remember really thinking it would be a Downton-esque yeah. calibre, which I don't know, I just never really got on with it. But me neither. Really pleasantly surprised. Absolutely. Um, and I'll have a comment about that later. Yeah. And, and, and I still think that Matt, Claire Foy was just, just impeccable. Brilliant. Just brilliant. And, and Matt, Matt Smith, Smith just... A really high together caliber. and, and t- telling the story of those two people and using history as a tool to enhance mm. that relationship and and really use like the iconography of who the queen yeah. is really sort of worked setting it that yeah. long that long ago and creating a relationship drama within that just had a really great melting pot I thought it was great and presenting you know histo- really in, filling in holes in British history totally, yeah. to younger audience things you've forgotten and heard about but totally and I yeah. think I said this at the time which is like The Crown came out seasons one and two at a just post Brexit referendum at a time when there was a lot of sort of like national identity. What is this country? What does yeah. it mean? And here comes a show that basically removes itself from that by being set in the past, yeah. but also is about the formation of the British identity, the, totally. the, current, the current, you know, Elizabethan age. And I found that was just like really apt. And sort of timed with like, you know, the Queen at the time of coming out very much had coming towards the end of her life. Yeah. Now since the queen. And there was always this, uh, it always had this balance of there's the history you know, but the conversation behind closed doors, you didn't. Exactly. And it always was very good at not over explaining the history to you, but like, here's what could have mm. been said. And that was quite nice. And yeah. then I think as the series progressed, we liked it. I think we both think that, bless her, as much as we like Olivia Coleman, I do think she was a bit of a weak link in the seasons three and four, unfortunately. Not quite the heights of not, didn't write, or of either. She didn't reach the heights of Imelda or Claire. Mm. Um, I think that what, has, what happened to Hannah the crown. And Carter, too, not quite as good as Vanessa Kirby. Kirby in my eyes. I think what happened with the crown and. and is that in terms of the structure of the show, as soon as from season four onwards, with the inclusion of Diana um, and also Thatcher as well, but like mainly Diana, is that the royal story changes and it becomes almost a different show. It becomes the story of Diana and the royal family and not Charles just the royal family. As well. And it becomes, because that is just the story of what happened, it becomes a, a more melodramatic, soap-like kind of beats, you know, this sort of... Um, you know, this couple in crisis, lots of screaming and throwing objects and that mm. kind of thing. And it moves away from the kind of 
Winston Churchill, Claire Foy episodes we were used to from before. It becomes very difficult to put the, put the Queen as we would maybe remember her in recent memory in these overly dramatic and sincere scenes mm. versus what it's like to put the younger ones now yes. in these very dramatic scenes. It feels a little bit more yeah. difficult. And also we're getting closer and closer to when more and more into living memory. And also that um, the thing is with Diana as well, like um, this is the case of series five, which we, we, you and I both liked and had some mm-hmm. good standout episodes, but... You know, which you know, focused more and more about Diana and you know the Newsnight interview. But it's like that story is so very recent in a lot of people's minds, and also so tragic that often watching it, it it left you feeling very strange. And I remember we I finished season five, I was like, good. But in the run up to this season six coming out, you and I spoke about it a bit off air. I was kind yeah. of like, I don't know, I don't know where I am right now because we know where this is going. Every time you watch it, you just feel this overwhelming sense of tragedy. That something you're watching someone's life slowly be ruined, and we all know where it's going. Mm. Um, and and then it brought us to season six coming out. And th- there was an article that the BBC ran, but doing sort of a coverage of what critics have said. And it was this absolutely excoriating, devastating article that said the Crown season six panned and savaged by critics, which actually they then corrected afterwards and said mixed review from critics because it was mainly skewed by a one-star review in The Guardian, which said like season six of The Crown, so bad, it's like an out-of-body experience. Now, I watched the four episodes Mm -hmm. um, at the weekend and these four episodes are entirely based in the summer uh, leading up to the, the crash uh, that killed Princess Diana. Yeah. And it predominantly focuses on Princess Diana. Other crown characters are in it, but it, it focuses on her, her time in the Mediterranean, her relationship with Dodie Fayed, and her time in Paris before her death. So, but you and I have now both seen all four mm. episodes. And in that context, the only thing we just said and the environment, James. So like, uh, like talking about it and like evolu- evolving through history, coming into this part one of season mm. six, my relationship with going in to watch The Crown had definitely changed. Mm. Whereas if you'd asked me coming into season three, I would have been like, so excited. Can't wait for the recast, reboot, mm. whatever. Coming into this, I was a little bit like, I need much less from this series than I think I did. Mm. Um, or do you expect less as well? Uh, ex- expect less. Like, I'm looking forward to it. It's always very beautifully shot. There's always mm. loads of really interesting, juicy scenes. It feels a little bit like... I'm indulging in like a tabloidy mm. reality show, which I don't know if that benefits it, but because I was a little bit easier on the whole show, I went in with, especially in the first three episodes, just very much enjoying the passage of time. Yes. Re-reminding re- myself of that moment through history. There's a really nice contrast between uh, people, fa- like the queen basically failing different people in her life and that all basically catching up to her, whether she was an insufficient mother to Charles, mm. an insufficient familial presence to Diana and those things all catching up to her. I think that's all very thematically very well done and I can see where they're mm. going to take that. Um, there are mo- that basically like the moments that I just, I enjoyed the first three episodes. I think I just generally had a, a good time with it, but there was just towards the end and it's the moment when Diana's ghost it's not her back. ghost. I'm it's sorry. not her ghost. People said it's not a ghost. Whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Like Diana coming back after the fact to have this weird moment of catharsis with Charles, uh, Dodie with, with, with his father. And at the first moment I was like, what, is, what are we doing here? And what's this show trying to do? And what's this show trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. And at some time I think that there's an enormous dramatic sadness of Diana having her last scene with William and Harry. Mm-hmm. And I'm also just thinking like, they're there and... What, why are we doing this? Is this, a, is this a weird moment for us as viewers to get... Like, I've started questioning, what's our relationship between entertainment and drama based on these real people's oh, right. lives? And that's where I just slightly felt a little bit icky, a little bit off. 
it touched something a little bit strange for me. And that's where I was like, ah, oh, I wish you hadn't brought those characters back to say those things. There's something to be said about when you kill a character off of your show, there's something to be said about letting their last moment be their last moment and having that remain. When you bring someone back and have them say things that they never said, you kind of take the sting out of their presence being missed. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, 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 I agree with you, but actually, I don't agree with you about episode four. I just didn't mind that at all. I, really? But the thing with the Diana's presence, which I'm not going to call her ghost because that's what articles review, but it's not her, her no, no, energy. No, but it's not because it's not because I, I, I never took that to mean that's not Diana you're seeing. That's an extension of Charles's grief. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but, and but the was, fact is that the, the actor's there delivering. Yeah, no, lines, sure. Yeah. But like, whatever Diana says in that, like, I never. I only saw it as a projection of Charles. I never saw that as Diana. Like I never saw that as them trying to resolve their relationship. No, I thought it was trying to. I, I got clear from that that like this is an absence in their life, and Charles is surprised. He's grieving. The Queen is surprised to have yeah. actually have had uh, to have actually suffered loss. They have yeah. actually suffered a loss in a bizarre way, and they're realizing that they're they are inextricably linked to. Diana, I didn't, I didn't mind that. I didn't no, mind so it. I, I think I, I, I could have. one thing I found weird. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh, because I forgot, I forgot that the article about her coming back was coming. So again, I'm watching it very passively. Mm, and all I, of a sudden, I'm like, ah, uh, what I was are we fine. doing I mean, here? they maybe could have done it one too many times, but then they liked it at the end when the queen looks for her, she's not there. Yeah. In the, like the last shot. I, um, Mel Staunton, really fantastic. Yeah, I, but I, I do, I do, and I agree with you. I went in with low expectations and I was pleasant. I do think the, the third episode, which is basically the night before she dies, is very moving. Yeah. I didn't feel icky. I thought it was quite humanizing and it made- like A good for, explainer of the story we've heard about yeah, press and paparazzi. But also just like, this is taking something, yeah, that a story building up to an event that the whole world knows, but- just creating a human drama out of it. So you've got yeah. creates it's about a mother. It's it's about two people really. Do- Dodie is also a huge role in this. Yeah, yeah and Do- Dodie is also you know the the maligned figure within a wealthy family, pushed around. And I thought it was quite. I was I, that episode was quite moving actually. Yeah. Um, I and done, and done sensitive. And I actually even though that you had issues with episode four, I thought the whole early part of that episode when you see the news spreading through Balmoral yeah, yeah, and telling cool. the news and sort of the breakdown and actually the way that, you know, they show the hospital and Paris and the conflict and it didn't feel like a remake of The Queen, which of uh, course yeah, is what Peter Morgan did originally. Um, I also quite enjoyed the uh, way it gave, again, this, I don't know if this is true this could be for the characters, but the way it gave context to Diana's relationship with the press when she was on holiday and yeah. how that exchange worked and they actually sort of not humanized the press but sort of gave an insight an insight for how that would work because that's a really unfamiliar relationship to anyone else who's not been famous i I quite enjoy because they they portray it in one way like very intense very blaring but it's also like this is how the functional Mm. part of media works and i was like oh that's quite an interesting dynamic my brother made the point that uh i think one thing that often gets missed is that this the reason diana faced such overwhelm i mean she was pursued by the media all all her life but like Mm so much in that summer was because that was the first summer where she was divorced from Charles. It's the first summer where she's not an HRH. She hasn't got the kind of royal protection. Um, I, I thought so. I thought it was. I actually came back and I, I spoke to my flatmate, who I, we talked about the, the bad article, and I said, "You know what? That's not bad at all." Yeah, I think it was actually really solid. I actually think it's better than some of season five. I agree. I think I think Elizabeth Debicki is fantastic, and she does really, really. Oh, good, she's really, really great. Good job with it. A really good. It's, I think it's a hard role to play. It's incredibly <laughs> hard. One of the most iconic figures in the past yeah. hundred years. I thought Dodie Alfred was really good too. Yeah, yeah, a, a really nice. Uh, re- really well played. I hope she gets kind of recognised for it. I need Dominic West to be a good, 
good, good yeah. cry. I liked, yeah. I liked, I mean, the whole thing. It's Young kind William of, as I look, well. I look forward, yes, to seeing the the final batch now. Mm. I'm, 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 I'm back in. And I agree, it's not back, I've accepted it's not the, the show it was before, it's not the same heights, but I do think mm. that like, I'm interested, I have, I have renewed confidence in the way that they handle stuff. Maybe yeah. you don't as much. I have renewed just, confidence. Just over that, like everything yeah, relating sure, to sure. it is good. I've, I've renewed confidence that they might actually be able to wrap this up in a kind of interesting way. You know, there's a mo- moment I liked, which is, you, you talk about Amelda, uh, the Queen having that very uh, emotional moment you know, realizing that contemplating the loss, and then she has to give that speech with the gardens of the, oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, everyone like mourning behind her. And the speech is as we know the queen, as we knew the queen to be when she delivered these these televisual things, like very dry, dry, really. like a monarch. Yeah. You know, is but, she, but on one hand, Charles is like, you need to be the mother mm. to the nation, mm. and she does has this really fine line of still honoring how uh, the queen's delivery, but showing that inside she is she is mourning. I thought that's a really yeah. delicate balance to find as an actor and you did it quite well and as a show. Yeah. I think I've, all, I've always said as well that um, I've always thought throughout each successive season of The Crown that you always, it's building towards this. Every season or episode of The Crown features this kind of like, hmm, this system isn't working. Yeah. There are sacrifices, there are compromises. Unsettled. People are left out, unsettled schools and you kind of have a level of toxicity building up. And I've always thought that in the in a, in, in a structure of drama, it's been building to like a reckoning, and then I realised yeah. that the, the death of Diana actually is that reckoning. That it's not yeah. just inevitable from us from a history point of view, but actually in terms of the drama, this is actually kind of what it's all been building to. It's this, you know, the walls are crumbling. This is like shock shook to their foundation. The poster was a crack in the in the walls. Literally, the that palace, kind of thing. Yeah. It's like this is the reckoning. You asked for where the queen got it wrong was misjudged everyone's you know completely at odds with each other yeah. so i'm looking and now i'm interested to see the second part of season six and how they deal with that in what is essentially the fifth act you know typical five act structure of this show it's one of the like on the diana thing and again i just want to be clear when i'm talking about the characters of the show and the yeah. real life people when when diana did die one of the biggest criticisms of the queen was that they stayed at balmoral didn't come to london didn't say anything they yeah. withdrew and the obvious thing is that they were their first thought was to be with those boys and what i thought the show would always have to do was explain the queen and phillips and the royal family's rationale for not being there and i enjoyed them being sort of like showing them discussing seeing the news as it happened but they chose not to look at the news i'm like yes that's a really hard thing to do because you don't want to just be sympathizing with the queen Mm. and bear in mind she only just recently passed Mm. you want to show that (laughs) i'm trying to show you what i'm trying to say here it's like you want to give dimensions to that character dimensions to it without being just like overly praising and overly Mm. monarchist it's it always has been a good criticism yeah i don't think i don't think it's all i never ever get the feeling i'm watching like raw propaganda i've always thought it's trying it's just trying to give different dimensions but i i just had this overriding feeling i'm like what Why do we watch these shows? I know. That's always the thing. And it's a little bit a little bit strange. Particularly now it's more like I said, now it's in living memory. Totally. So I I think it's time the show wrapped up and so I'll watch this final episode. And maybe we'll talk about it then as well. Do you think that, you know, Harry and Meghan's whole saga, without going into it, that that being very much a consequence and a reaction to 
Diana's treatment by the press and that essentially being echoed with Meghan, regardless of how you feel about Meghan Markle. Do you think the show is therefore incomplete by not telling the story of Harry and Meghan no. and consequently the Queen's death no, afterwards? No, I, I think it's too soon. I really do. I think you need to let... I, I agree with you, it's too soon. I, 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 but not just like emotionally too soon. Is like, but it's like the, 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 the dust, not just the dust hasn't settled, but like the, the strand, strands of the story have not been woven to you. haven't given enough time even for bi- for biographers and researchers to go out and discuss. That story is kind of still He's being still told. He's still not being invited for Christmas and all this stuff is happening exactly. now. <laughs> I'm like, that's, that, that's for a show in 10, 20 years' time. And, you know, a show could cover that in 10 years' time and be one thing. It could cover it in 20 years' time and be another thing. It could cover it in 40 years' time. Oh, you know you know, someone will do the Harry and Meghan show. Totally. but um, Nice limited series, I think. I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it not going to... I'm not, I think going further than I thought they would. I thought they'd just go to 2002, but they're not. They're going to go a bit further. I look forward to part two. And we will probably discuss it. That was The Crown, season six, part one. Let us know your thoughts if you've seen it too at hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Guys, thank you so much for listening to this bonus episode of Pop Kitchen. Don't forget, we post full numbered episodes every single Wednesday. We just put out episode 104. And next week, we'll be episode 105. What are we going to talk Good about then? You. you can we'll see, Yeah. What yeah, are we going to talk do. about next week? Well, there's a new film on Netflix called Leave the World Behind with Julia Roberts, Mahershala yes. Ali, and Ethan Hawke. Uh, I'm going to go see a film called Femme, which should be quite good. Mm. Hopefully, you're going to enjoy that uh, with um, George Mackay. 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 I never get it right. See you then. See you then. <laughs>